This time on episode 447 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talked She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, episode 9, Whose Show Is This?, and weekly Marvel Studio News, Disney rearranging Marvel movie release dates. I'm Josh Liston from On the Bubble Podcast, an oral history of television fandom, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at gunnageeknetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Marvel Comic Book Universes as told on screen by K-E-V-I-N. This show is recorded on Saturday, October 15th, 2022, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Marvel Studios-wide. Come and join our live chat as we record. And if you didn't already catch on to it, we love talking about Marvel. Because of unintended crossovers. If you'd like to talk to us about unintended crossovers, you can find us at our website, legendsofshield.com. You can leave your comments about unintended crossovers on our voicemail line, 844-THE-BUS-1, 844-843-2871. If you have some ideas for some things that you never thought could have happened, but are now completely on the table, to go ahead and tag us with them on Twitter at Legends of Shield, but don't tag Disney because then it might not happen. You can watch our lovely faces as we react to everything about this episode at youtube.com slash gonna geek. You can join our robust discussion about everything on our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And don't forget that Legends of Shield is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network where we're going to be crossing over onto each other's shows as often as possible. And somebody that was supposed to be crossing over with us today, Anthony from Capes on the Couch, was not able to make it. He had some rescheduling of family stuff. So he does have quite the lengthy voicemail that he sent in. So we'll be playing that later. But just know that he wanted to be with us. And I want to start off this episode by thanking him for all his contributions to our Moon Knight and She-Hulk coverage so far. So thank you very much, Anthony. With that, you guys ready to talk about She-Hulk finale? Yep. Yep. She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Episode 9, premiered on Disney Plus Thursday, October 13th, 2022. The episode was titled, Whose Show Is This? The IMDb description reads, Jen finds herself in trouble with the law and struggles to pick up the pieces of her life. Lauren, who directed the episode? This episode was directed by Kat Horio, who has 30 directing credits starting in 2007, including one of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Four of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, one of Modern Family, two of Dead to Me, 
the 2022 film Marry Me, and six episodes, six out of the nine episodes, nice, of She-Hulk Attorney at Law. This episode was written by the showrunner, Jessica Gao, who has 20 writing credits starting in 2008, including nine Robot Chicken, two Lab Rats, two episodes of Silicon Valley, seven Rick and Morty, and six episodes of She-Hulk Attorney at Law. And as a side note, I did check the IMDb a couple of days ago, and I don't think either Kat or Jessica were actually in the episode. I think they were played by different actors. I could be mistaken about that. I didn't investigate any further, but from what I saw, it wasn't actually them in the episode. Yeah, you're right. It was different actors as them and Zeb Wells and I forget who else. All right. So we do have an exclusive Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. synopsis. This is something that you can only find on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. So we're going to tell you what happened in the episode so we don't have to do that later when we're reviewing it. I'll start off today. The opening is in the style of the 1978 TV show, The Incredible Hulk's opening sequence, and summarizes the story. Jen wakes up in prison, the same cell as Emil. Mallory informs Jen that the witnesses saw an out-of-the-control Hulk and delivers the DA's plea deal. Jen wears an inhibitor and charges will not be pursued. Jen loses her job and ends up moving back home. Dad keeps reporters away with water pressure. Nikki and Jen are looking into intelligentsia. Jen wants to destroy intelligentsia by using the law. Elaine gives Nikki a video of Jen dancing in college. Jen asks if this is the story we want and stops the narrator. Needing a mental health break, Jen goes to Emil's retreat. Nikki uses the video to gain entrance into intelligentsia. She's invited to a meeting, but they expect a guy, so Nikki gets Pug to help. At the meeting, Nikki has to guide Pug and teach him how to be a tool. Todd's revealed to be Hulk King and the founder of Intelligentsia. Todd has a surprise guest for the meeting, the Abomination! Emil's Intelligentsia's life coach. Jen walks into the Summer Twilight Lodge and learns the truth about Todd and Intelligentsia. A big messy fight happens. Jen removes her inhibitor and leaves her own show starting the most epic fourth wall break. Jen lectures the writers. The writers tell Jen they are following Kevin's orders. After signing the NDA, She-Hulk fights her way to Kevin, an artificial intelligence, knowledge-enhanced visual interconnectivity nexus. Jen comments on the structure of MCU properties and proposes a new ending. Erase the blood plot, don't have Bruce come in and save her, have Emil hold himself accountable, have the scene be in daylight, and have Daredevil return, because a woman has needs. Jen has a seat and talks about the number of daddy issues in the MCU, asks about the introduction of the X-Men, and begins to share her thoughts. Cut to the daylight scene with the cops arresting Todd, Titania is streaming the event, and Daredevil dropping in. Literally, dropping in. Daredevil missed everything, just like us. Emil is sent back to prison, Matt meets the family, and gets interrogated. One of the worst interrogations you can actually get, right? Bruce shows up and introduces his son, Scar, to the family. The show ends with Jen in She-Hulk form telling a reporter that she will right wrongs as a lawyer and a superhero. The end credits sing as Wongers allowing Emil to be a guest at Calmer Chaj. 
And too bad we didn't get Madison there. All right, some overall thoughts. Lauren, we'll start with you. Okay, so I absolutely loved it. Then again, I am a sucker for meta plots and fourth wall breaking. Like, Duckamuck is my second favorite Looney Tunes episode. So I was kind of primed to love it. This one just has so many hanging plot threads that don't get wrapped up at all. If this was in the middle of the season, it would have worked. But as a finale, it doesn't. Marvel, you lost me at the deleted blood plot theme. Not because I needed it or thought it was a good idea, but because the story broke without giving me a reason to have watched most of the season and there was no continuity at all. It literally, it was happening one second and then the next second it was just gone and probably erased from the rest of the season as well. Now, Anthony did send us a voicemail, and I think this is probably the best time to actually play it. As a warning, it's about five minutes long. So just stay tuned, buckle up. And he says a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about anyway. So let's listen to Anthony. Hey, everyone. This is Anthony. Unfortunately, my wife's schedule changed. And so I'm not able to attend the recording session for this episode with you all, which makes me pretty sad because I'm sure that we would have quite a spirited discussion about this episode. And I'm certain that this is going to be one that is going to get a lot of people talking for quite some time. So I have a lot of thoughts about the episode. And the biggest one for me is that you cannot write yourself into a corner with a number of disparate storylines and then wave your hands with some fourth wall breaking deus ex machina at the end and claim we did this because we could. That just screams lazy writing to me. The prior episode was, to me, what the show could have been, and frankly should have been, in terms of a good combination of action, comedy, character interactions, fourth wall breaking. I know Jen is inherently a more comic-y character, a more comic relief type character. Maybe comic relief is the wrong word, but the fourth wall breaks are kind of who she is. It's been baked in since John Burns run. And so it's just sort of established. But when you set up the entire season to just have it end with, oh yeah, we're just going to fourth wall break and have her completely disregard everything else and all these things that you think you're supposed to care about, but actually we don't, seems disingenuous to me as a viewer and as a fan of the character. And I'm not criticizing it because she's a woman or because it's a largely female writing team. I'm criticizing it because it's lazy writing that to go through all of the stuff with Blonsky and the blood and Todd and Titania and everything, and then to get no resolution whatsoever, just so Jen could have her happy ending that she didn't really earn. You didn't earn that. You didn't work your way through that. You just kind of dismissed anything that was going to get in your way. Then it's not really a happy ending. It's just kind of there. And I just, I don't understand why with all of the talent that they had and nine episodes, which is more than 
any other show aside from, I think, WandaVision, that you couldn't have put a little more forethought into the pacing and the way in which these episodes were constructed to give us a resolution that mattered. And then in the end, to just drop Scar on us like that without any whatsoever that, oh yeah, Bruce is back and he's got a kid. I'm sorry, what? That doesn't make up for all of the laziness and the problems inherent in the rest of the series. So there were moments in it that I enjoyed. I liked the little use of Kevin, although I watched the show with captions. And when they were in the writer's room and the first time they said Kevin and it showed up as an acronym, I immediately said, oh, so it's an AI then or a robot or something because that ruined the gag. Also, once again, the flaws with the visual effects showed up, especially when she was walking through the set. I was like, holy cow, this is just glaringly bad. And you can make a joke about it. Oh, they moved on to another project. Ha ha, Black Panther. But it doesn't negate the fact that the visual effects still look terrible. So I'm sorry I can't be there with you all to talk about this more in depth in person. I wish there would have been some legal stuff that I could have discussed in there, but they're just, it was all over the place, much like this season. And I really hope that if there is a season two for the show or even just future appearances, that she's written a little more consistently and with a little more forethought as to how the story arcs are going to play, because this was just kind of uneven and left a bad taste in my mouth. Thank you so much again to everybody, by the way, SP, Chris, Lauren, and Michelle for bringing me back on the show. I love chatting with you guys, and I would love to come back anytime you would have me. I'm enjoying this recurring guest thing that I've got going on. So lots of fun. Hopefully we will talk soon. Take care, y'all. Oh, Anthony. We're vibing there. We're vibing. Yeah, this is. One of the laziest endings I've witnessed in all of my media consumption life. The reason why I said this would work as a mid-season show, mid-season episode, is because you could have had nice setup and then all of a sudden had this weird moment where it's going off the rails. And then Jen could have been like She-Hulk, broken out, done all of this and been like, okay, now we know what we should be doing. Now we've got ourselves back on the rails. And let's steam forward to an ending that is earned because we have a solid storyline. And that solid storyline includes the wonderful characters that we have, such as Titania. We still have no idea why she was arrested. I still have no idea what her powers are, which is a shame because this is a waste of the talents of Jamila Jamil. We had Nikki, who... I was hoping more of a team up with, I was hoping like a Jen, Nikki, Mallory team up. We didn't get that. Nikki and Pug was great together. They have great chemistry, but still this is a, a waste of her talent. You know, it's Ginger Gonzaga. Mallory ended up having absolutely no purpose. Nikki solved Mallory's case. Remember with the whole guy who was immortal and all the spouses and such and 
All she did in this episode was walk in, tell Jen about the plea deal. So this is wasted the talents of Renee Elise Goldsberry. And this episode hasn't passed the Betchel test for the last four episodes. If you're going to try to go, oh, but Michelle, that scene in the living room at Jen's parents' house, the thing is the conversation has to be two solid minutes. The actual conversation between Jen and Nikki is 90 seconds. It then gets interrupted, which means the clock stops. And the clock starts with Nikki in the lane, then it stops, and then it starts again. The Because this portrait, this is part of the writing. You, you introduce these interesting characters in these first three episodes, and then you just leave them behind in place of all of these other... This was just... I, I, this is, to me, this is the worst ending. This is the first Disney Plus show for me that started strong and then crashed. I mentioned the plot lines and the plot threads earlier. You have so many characters here that were introduced. Not only do you have Titania and everybody else that Michelle already noticed, you have the entire crew from Emile's retreat. So this is, might be weird, and this might just be a me thing, but... You don't introduce A-list people and then not use them because you're going to get literally everybody excited. But I also think you don't introduce D and E-list people because then the people who actually know who they are, or like us, the people who have cared enough to go look them up, we're going to get super excited because you went and you dug out these super obscure people. Why do you even bother to go that far into the well if you're not going to go back to them? That's just ridiculous. <clears throat> I don't know. Like th This might have soured me on the entire series, and I haven't been ruined on something like that since either I finished reading Ready Player One or finished reading The Hunger Games, where both of them just kind of dropped off. See, I actually really loved the ending. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of things like Blazing Saddles, and I keep mentioning Duck Amuck. Somebody on Twitter had uh, posted a bunch of screen caps, I guess, of various comic book runs of She-Hulk, where she ends the the arc, the, the, the comic, whatever, by literally like ripping the page out and demanding to see the writers. I will admit that y'all do have very excellent points. The fact that this hasn't passed the Bechdel test is really upsetting on a show about a woman with a lot of female main characters. But... See, for me, I kind of figured, okay, this makes sense in cartoon logic. All the stuff did happen. It's just that, okay, now Bruce isn't there. The, the Hulk blood didn't work. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Just kind of, okay, we're going to gloss past all that to get to me getting my happy ending. I've enjoyed watching every single episode. I've just put my brain in park and just enjoyed it for the sitcom that it was because you, you can't really get into sitcoms, right? And that's kind of what this is supposed to be is a legal comedy or something like that, right? And I've enjoyed it from that perspective. 
And I was going along and they strung us with these plots though. So I'm my plot mind is like looking at to it. When they finally get to the point where the bloodline plot is deleted, my meager little brain just couldn't make the jump. I'm like, and it wasn't that it was deleted. It was that she left Marvel Studios, left the Kevin chamber, and then is at the retreat again. And then Todd is not a Hulk and he's being arrested and there's no mention of the bloodline and the bloodline plot is deleted. It's like, well, why is Todd even there? Why did we watch the scenes of Josh seducing her and stuff? And then my mind just went into overdrive. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't make that jump. Maybe that makes me a smaller person, but I just couldn't make that jump. And I will reiterate, I did enjoy watching every episode, but it just got to the end and I was like, in clutch. And no, I'm not hitting on She-Hulk. I'm not hating on the writing overall, although I, I guess I kind of am. I just couldn't make that jump with them. I, I don't even disagree with the ending of this needs to have to have Jen have her happy ending of being at one with her and She-Hulk. But I thought we came to that resolution multiple times during the entire show. Why did we have to do it again? I don't know. That's just my thoughts on it. So my initial problem with all of this is what did happen in the show? Like, we don't know. Jen changed things, but there is no inherent way to know what off-scene things changed. If you don't have the bloodline plot work like that, did Josh go try to steal blood? Did it just not work? Did it just kind of fizzle out and do nothing? Did Josh even happen? Depending on when they bust in and catch a meal as Abomination, did he ever turn into Abomination? Does he even have a reason to go to jail? Like, there's so many background things. You could change the end point, but that inherently kind of changes how you get to the end point, too. And we have no idea. Right, because if there's no Josh, then there's no reason for her to be so upset at the retreat and not have that interaction with the group that they introduced. And this becomes like talking about endgame and time travel, which is weird. And you talk about this, you know, SP, you're like, this is supposed to be a sitcom. And she actually says this is supposed to be a lawyer sitcom. And Kevin's just like, okay, what, whatever you said. But this is a lawyer show that has no idea how the law works. So that, like, even in, like, L.A. Law or Alec McBeal, they at least try to be somewhat knowledgeable of the law and to work these things in. This series, we had, what? one or two courtroom scenes she had maybe three clients she didn't do much lawyering in this you know at the first the first episode she just went lawyer show no (laughs) it doesn't end up being a lawyer show so i have two counterpoints one josh is there if you you know on the end credits he's the one who's like hi trying to wave to her in the court and 
I kind of looked at the law on this the way I look at science in the MCU, where they want the idea of it, but not enough to do the research. Because let's face it, the science in the MCU is shaky at best. Yeah, but you have science scene. You've got the science bros being science bros, doing science bro stuff. So even though, yeah, the science is illogical and doesn't make sense. I'm saying there wasn't any lawyering at almost any, all of it. And then you've got Mallory, like we were, we really were expecting, you know, she said at the, at the first episode, lawyer show. So there could have been a lot going on with her and Mallory and Nikki. And then she Hulk stuff with Titania. This had a lot more potential, even if at the end there was a whole bunch of fourth wall breaking, whatever. If you're going to be a lawyer show, then at least be a lawyer show. Yeah, the law didn't have to make any not make any sense. You know, even Anthony had just like this, you know, law stuff doesn't make any sense, but it's still a show and you have to, you know, take it. But there was not a lot of law. That's if you're going to be, you know, like I said, the science bro stuff we saw of Tony and Bruce be science bros all the time, even with Peter Parker science stuff. We see that going on. Decide. I did enjoy the individual scenes in the episode. Like we start off with the opening sequence that was almost shot for shot with the 1978 opening sequence of the Incredible Hulk TV series. Instead of the Hulk, you have She-Hulk going through that and Jennifer Walters going through that. They had to change a few things in there to meet the storyline that we have seen here versus the storyline of the 1978 television show. But that was pretty cool that we got it. I have no idea why it was there, but that's why we got it, right? And then we get the scene with her in the Emil chamber. Okay, she's been arrested and this is how she's going to get out. And then we get the scene of her basically leaving her apartment because she can't get a job and her dad's protecting her and using her, his water pressure for days, you know, even though we're in a, a drought, you know, he didn't use a shovel. That would have been great for him to take a shovel to a camera. That would have been an awesome action sequence, right? Totally not in his character, but he didn't get to use the shovel, but we saw that. So what I'm trying to say is each individual scene, including the Marvel Studios scene was a cool scene. It was a cool idea. It was an epic fourth wall break, right? But then you string them all together and you're like, what? What did I just watch? I know that they were going for a shock factor there, but like I said, my brain broke when they broke that one plot line. I could deal with everything else, but that one plot line is like, there was several episodes that was almost exclusively based on that, and it just wasn't there. I really do think that by get rid of the blood plot, I really do think all that meant is we don't need an army of hulks fighting each other. Let's just say it didn't work because they're under arrest for something. Obviously, they're, you know, they met up for for Well, first of all, for invasion of privacy and slander of She-Hulk. That's not that's not you don't get arrested for that, though. But also. Assault. That is assault, stealing her blood. But you would have to have had stolen her blood. And we don't know Which if that did. actually happened. They did. It just didn't work. Because let's face it, these are just 
basement dwelling incels. Do you think they're really going to get this to work? And to me, that's one of the things that's one of the meta commentaries is there's always the discussion about Marvel villains. First of all, there's the discussion about there's always too many. They're overstuffing these, these movies. There's always too many Marvel villains. So how do we make fun of that? Literally overstuff it. Everybody shows up there at the end when it makes no sense for them to be there. Again, that's, you know, one of the complaints she has is like, are you serious? There's the whole Marvel science makes no sense. Well, here law makes no sense. There's the whole Marvel always fumbles the third acts and the endings. Well, this. <laughs> But it, it got to the point where the main character of the show was like, come on, guys, we're better than this. It really is kind of a brilliant takedown of complaints about how Marvel tends to mess things up, the main complaints people have about Marvel. And again, I absolutely love that. I was dying laughing at every reference to some complaint I've seen on the internet or some complaint that I've made. Yeah, I wouldn't group myself in with the complainers on Marvel. I mean, we've been critiquing it, but it's always been with a gentle hand on this show, pretty much. We're not like raging against the Marvel studio machine, really, or Kevin Feige in particular. But, well, Chris might, <laughs> as he just raised his hand. But I don't know. I, I I feel like I wasn't the one that this was directed on, and yet I got lost in the translation of it. So whatever. I I did enjoy the Kevin scene, the K-E-V-I-N. And as a note to Anthony's note, I did see the acronym on my closed captionings because I watch it with closed captionings on too. Lauren, I think you do too. So I watched it when it came out on Thursday and I saw that and I was like, okay, that's where we're going. I did remember some news story that she was going to talk to Kevin, and I believe it was Kevin Feige in the news stories, or maybe that's what the reporter inferred or whatever. Turns out to be this AI, right? So I did enjoy that part of it. Like, okay, this is, we have this formula, we have this algorithm, and we're following it. But I watched it again this morning, and I did not see the acronym in the closed captioning. So I think they fixed that. I don't know when they fixed that. But they fix it. Now, I did watch it on my TV via a Roku streaming device. And now this morning I watched it on my computer. So I don't know if that has any difference in the closed captionings. But I just want to point out that at least I saw a change in it. But it was like a little bit too late because <laughs> those of us that are astute and really into it, we watched it the first day and we saw the acronym there. So the first time that they say Kevin, it's not in initials when it was you know, pre them fixing it. But there at the writers and whenever they said, oh, you need to talk to Kevin, the way they were saying it, and then it was confirmed to me sort of when I saw the initials was there is a South Park episode from longer ago than I'd like to remember where they actually go and meet the family guy writer's room where it turns out that the people in charge, the writers are manatees just kind of bumping little suggestion balls into a chute. And that was my first thought when they were like, oh no, it's Kevin. And seeing that instead of, you know, a tub of manatees or whatever, Kevin is now GLaDOS, you know, as whenever 
we've done it too. Whenever MCU fans talk about, oh, well, Kevin's in charge of blah, blah, blah. It does kind of make him sound like this weird all-seeing overlord. So having him be basically GLaDOS, I thought, because yeah, it's that very impersonal, well, you know, our formula says this and viewers connect with this. And it's, it's, it's the whole production process of, of Hollywood is like, okay, well, how does, how is the international audience going to affect this? Things like that. And again, that just, it killed me. I loved it. For those of you that might not know, GLaDOS is actually the AI in the video game Portal and Portal 2. And and it's an acronym. I'm trying to remember what it stands for. It's blah, blah, blah. It's a backronym. Okay. Anyway, it's an acronym. It's capital G, capital L, little A, capital D-O-S. And whatever that acronym stands for. So when Lauren's talking about GLaDOS, it's straight out of the video game there. Genetic life form and disk operating system. Oh, there you go. And uh, there's a lot of cake talked about in Portal. Which is a lie. The cake is a lie. As Kevin was a lie from Kevin Feige. The plot is a lie. Yeah. She (laughs) had to sign the NDA and... The guy called security anyway. She said, why did you make me sign the NDA? Everybody signs an NDA, which... Marvel snipers. Yeah. He probably just wanted an autograph. <laughs> with Scar coming in, I didn't mind Scar coming in without any any pointers whatsoever. We're just going to introduce this character. There's, there's no background to it. There's just this character. And for those of us kind of in the know, we are seeing the progression into a Young Avengers or a Champions sort of show or movie coming up and kind of hard to have that team without a Hulkling or a scar in there. So it had to be introduced at some point. So I'm glad the character was introduced and we'll probably see more of it as we go forward. I don't know if scar is going to jump right into the young Avengers or not, but character is definitely going to be there. I think right now, if I'm remembering my champions correctly, we're, missing miles morales which is the spider-man type character the champions that i saw had vivian in it which is a vision daughter character and i haven't had that in the mcu so i don't know if we're gonna go for that or not and then there is a child nova and i forget his actual name but there's a child nova in there as well sam something those are the characters that were missing i might be missing one or two more that i just don't remember but We've got a good core of characters already. They started with Falcon and the Winter Soldier with Eli, and then we've got Hawkeye with Kate. We've got Ms. Marvel. So we've been assembling the young Avengers as we go along with these shows, and this seemed to be like the place to have Scar. I don't have a problem with it. I know a lot of other people. It's like, whoa, who was the mom? And What's his background and where has he been all these years? I'm like, okay, I, I think we're going to get this backstory later. Hulk was in space. You don't need all of your answers at once. I was right, though. Bruce did come back. I was right about that. I was wrong about Daredevil. I didn't think Daredevil was going to come back, but I was right about Wongers. He came back. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's the thing. You, you've got Emil connected to the incels. And even if he didn't do a background check on, he's just, he said he's taking the speaking engagements for money. 
So he doesn't seem to care who he's being a life coach to, which to me makes it worse because you're just blindly supporting and doing stuff for money. So now they had Wongers accept Emil, who was a life coach to the angel- intelligentsia guys, into Combertage. And it's just, do you realize how that makes Wongers look? Uh, Wongers is above the law. I think we established that several episodes ago. <laughs> it's not about him being above the law. It's the fact of that he's, to me now, Emil, I actually had sympathy for Emil because I actually went and I rewatched um, the Hulk movie he was introduced in because I actually did have sympathy for him because the whole super term soldier thing and how, how it impacts. So, you know, I considering he was kind of duped into it a little bit and I kind of understood uh, his Maybe journey a little. a little bit. I'm being, I'm stretching it. I'm stretching it. I know SPM stretching it, but now to me, they've actually made him a true abomination by associating him with Todd and the other tools. At best, he's chaotic neutral out of this at best. I agree. I Watching it, I don't, you're, you're right. I don't think he knew what they were. I think they probably booked themselves as like a men's power type of group. Like, oh, taking back your masculinity, which is a thing that a lot of these groups do. Red flag. I don't think he ever mentioned that in his statements, unless I missed it. No, but that's my guess because that is how these real world groups do it is. They book, they start booking themselves as, oh, we're just here asking questions about, and there's some very legitimate points that are brought up, like how custody cases tend to give custody to the women always, but they come to the wrong conclusions from that. It's not, oh, well, the judges just automatically assume women must be better at caring for kids, even if there's all this stuff against them, instead of you know, it, it's a systemic problem instead of, well, they're just obviously because they're in favor of women and they think men are garbage. It's like, no, there's there's actual societal things that go into that. And it go it tends to you tend to see a lot of in the past 10 years, not so much recently that I've seen, but about 10 years back, the pathway to that realm of stuff. It's a slow slide from. Well, yeah, I guess there are problems with, you know, how society, what society expects of men to, it's all these females fault and stuff like that. And I really did love the refer to all women as females because they do talk like Ferengi. But anyway, regards to Emil, yes, he's absolutely a money hungry. I mean, literally everything that we've seen of him since he was reintroduced, like him scamming his soulmates for money for that ranch, him selling those horrible haiku books, just branding everything. Like this is fully in in keeping with what we've seen of him in this show. He's he is in fact chaotic neutral. As long as it benefits him, he's like, okay, what could it hurt? I'm not you know, destroying Harlem. And I think that's probably how he justifies it to himself. With regards to Wong breaking him out at the end, 
And again, this is stuff that should have probably been on the page, but I assumed, hey, they've become bros since, you know, the whole meeting to, because again, Wong entered him into a fighting contest where they, I guess, split the winnings. So I love no Fs given Wong. The company he keeps, I would rather have him hang out with Madison than Emil. But I kind of see Emil as being in more of a Trevor Slattery role now. Yeah, a couple more things about Wongers. First of all, we did not get Madison. I think that might have been an unexpected success of the show was Madison, and they just didn't know about it. But they had plenty of time to do a reshoot, especially at the end. She could have been sitting back there on a couch or something, telling him, Wongers, come back, or something like something's happening with the TV show. They, they could have done that behind him. In the end, they just didn't, uh, I don't know if they had the wherewithal to do that reshot or not, but we didn't have Madison. And the other thing is, why did he take Emil with him anyway? And my prediction on that is that Abomination is going to be part of Thunderbolts. Might not happen, but it makes sense to me, since we're going down the path of Thunderbolts, that this would be a way to get it. It kind of is sketchy of Wongers being somewhat in charge of the Thunderbolts. We know, know we talked about that a couple of episodes ago, but I see it happening that Abomination will become part of the Thunderbolts, and that's why Abomination will continue to be in the MCU. That's my prediction. Of course, a lot of my predictions did not come true in this entire thing because, you know, plot lines were completely broken. All right. I think we're at the end of our discussion. Does anybody have any last thoughts or are you all good? And this show portrayed the internet as all bad. If you're going to try to argue that Nikki helped Jen by using the internet, she did so by stooping down to the level of Todd in order to gain entry. And if you look at Titania's social media, everything, it was all bad and toxic. I'd like to compare that to Ms. Marvel. In Ms. Marvel, yes, the media and the internet trash her, but then at the end, it shows that social media and the internet can do some good because when it was streamed, it got people there to support Ms. Marvel. So at least Ms. Marvel showed that the internet is a gray place, good and bad. This series, the internet is all bad. So my response to that is it's tackling this particular subculture that has arisen ever since. I mean, I'm not going to say it started with Captain Marvel because it sure did not. But this teardown of every time, you know, Marvel movies get review bombed now if they dare to have a woman doing a thing. And I think it was very much coming at it from that point of view. Anyway, my last thought, is anyone else sad that we didn't get the sad walking away music at some point? Yes. Yeah. Big missed opportunity. I mean, play it. Play it while she's like leaving her apartment. Come on. I think that Disney kind of ruined themselves a little bit with this by having it in their head that they needed to do a short miniseries thing. And there is nothing inherently wrong with the 24 episodes of traditional American TV. 
if this was a mid-season finale type thing, well, yeah, because you know that stuff is going to keep going for the rest of the season. If we already knew there was a season two coming, then it's not quite as good, but you know for sure there's going to be more of the show, so it's fine and you can live with it. But knowing that you had nine episodes, this is what you did, this is where you ended it. Who said you could only have nine? Make ten. And, you know, for all we know, there this is a fourth wall breaking show. There could potentially be a secret tenth episode. I'm assuming that chance is somewhere below 1% of actually happening. But, you know, just make the story be as long as you need it to be. I doubt that it's a secret episode. This was touted to be the finale, so we'll see. But we did get the mention that the writers were in talks to create season two, right? So there was that going on. And then Kevin said, no, she was not going to be in a movie. Uh, so I don't know how to take those two statements or the, the inference that there's a season two, because as far as I know, there has not been a green lit for a season two of She-Hulk. And then you got Kevin K E V I N saying, no, she's not going to be in any movies. I'm like, all right, so is this a one and done and you're just going to junk the character? I have concerns about that because she's a great actor. The character is cool to have in the universe. I don't know. I really do think that was a joke. The second they said anything about her in season two and knowledge, Kaylee popped up and like, okay, cool. We're getting season two. Good. And Kaylee's not somebody who just jumps into making assumptions like that. We had all the stuff deleted, so where they were going, and they were talking about the entire season two being a dream sequence, right? So it's like, I hope not. Oh, God, please don't Mario 2 this. Mm-hmm. Don't Dallas this. <laughs> all right. I've had my say. Anybody else? I'm good now. I feel like I infected the Marvel writers because Kaylee says that often I will talk about things and make references to things, assuming that everybody knows what I'm talking about. And I feel like they kind of did that here. Just real quick. I know I've been like countering stuff. This is not to say y'all do have valid concerns. The people who this episode didn't work for them, those are all very valid concerns. I was just explaining why it works for me personally. I'm not trying to say anybody's wrong for having this opinion. Just, I dug it. I'm glad you dug it. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Scratch Lauren off the revenge list. (laughs) (laughs) So next week, we're going to have a surprise, a special surprise. We're actually going to cover the Disney plus Marvel Studios one shot is the best way I can tame it as werewolf by night. We're actually going to cover that next week. So if you haven't gone into Disney plus and seen, there's a special in the Marvel called in the Marvel page or whatever called Werewolf by Night. Go ahead and watch it. Get us your feedback because we're going to be talking about it next week. And we may or may not have a special guest next week. We'll see. So that's what we're going to be doing next week. In the meantime, we do have some big Marvel Studio news to talk about coming up right now. Well, Disney just did a big old salad toss to the Marvel movie schedule. 
a lot of dates have shifted. First off, we have Blade. The Blade film is on pause, has been pushed back almost a year from November 3rd, 2023 to September 6, 2024, taking the spot previously held by Deadpool 3, which will now open on November 8th, 2024. That's the date previously held by Marvel's Fantastic Four reboot, which has been shifted back to Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2025, pushing back the untitled Marvel movie previously slotted there to November 7th, 2025. Avengers Secret Wars moves from November 7th, 2025 to May 1st, 2026. We're talking four years in the future. This is just mind-boggling. The untitled Marvel Studios movie previously dated May 1st, 2026, has been removed from Disney's schedule. The other Phase 5 movies, 2023's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and the Marvels, and 2024's Captain America New World Order and Thunderbolts are unaffected. It's curious that of all the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 6 movies, only Avengers The King Dynasty, dated May 2nd, 2025, is unaffected by the date shuffle. There will be two Avengers films released in 2025, but if things do not change, there will now be a year wait between King Dynasty and Secret Wars as there was between Avengers Affinity War and Endgame. There were also six untitled Marvel movies on Disney's schedule, with Fantastic Four pushing back the one previously dated for February 14, 2025, and the May 1st, 2026 film removed to make room for Secret Wars. The remaining dates include July 25th, 2025, November 7th, 2025, February 13th, 2026, and July 24th, 2026, and November 6th, 2026. There's a fair chance one of these dates is reserved for Armor Wars. I'm going to have to actually take a spreadsheet and map this all out to make sure that I'm aware of where all the current release dates actually are, because I haven't done that yet. And I probably should have before this episode, but this week has just not allowed me to do that. This is very intriguing. I, I wonder if we're slowing down production. Are we still at two or three Marvel movies a year? Are we at four Marvel movies a year? I'm thinking just speculating because I haven't actually done the numbers that they're slowing down production a little bit and they're extending things out a little bit that they had wanted to rush into. And that might be a, let's not inundate everybody mindset. It might be because they're running into production issues. It might be because they are trying to rework some storylines. It might be because they've had the blade issue. I mean, that might have been the the one stumbling like, OK, we can't have Blade now. Then that means we have to move everything back. I don't know, but it's very interesting. I do think that Marvel Studios is still trying to pre present to us an interesting universe. And we'll see if the shuffling makes it worse or better. I have an inside baseball question here. OK. Is there anything outside of Marvel just wanting to keep things spaced out for themselves special about these specific dates? You're talking Disney and they have so many properties. They have the Pixar properties. They have the Star Wars properties. They have the Disney properties and they all have release dates, right? And then 
you have properties that are owned by other studios still like Warner Brothers and Paramount that need to be fit in there as well. So with the box office struggling the way it has in the pandemic recovery here, it might be an attempt to try to spread out as much as they can in order to maximize their profits at the box office. Because after all, they're talking about making money, right? And if the money's not to be had there by throwing these movies out every two months or every month or whatever for all of Disney, then you kind of got to sit back and go, you know what? We need to concentrate on really maximizing our profits because if you don't have the profits, then some of these movies just don't get made, right? If you don't have the money to make another one, then you can't make the other one. I'll give uh, MGM as an example, right? That's why we really haven't gotten another Stargate movie is because they didn't have the money to do it. Also, Disney's doing Planet of the Apes. I mentioned why. And then on Discord, someone was like, well, that's a former 20 Fox property. And uh, apparently they need to conclude that or something else. So there's that as well. And... And who knows what storyline from what movie, because again, we don't know what the storyline is for this second book of Marvel. We don't know how Blade impacted everything else story-wise. So I might've misheard. It looks like they're still putting out three movies a year at about the same time frame. Were they at three originally or were they yeah, at four? Yeah, they've been at three for I know, several years they, now. Were they originally at four? Because when they started announcing all this stuff, I think they were at four, possibly even five almost. See, I was thinking that they had backed off from that because it was a way too demanding schedule and it was oversaturating the market with, with Marvel stuff. So for the past several years, they've been doing just the three a year. And it makes sense to do three if they can fit it in with other big properties, right? But if you're detracting with your own properties, like if you want longer runs in the theater in order to maximize profit, then you have to slow everything down. And also they have the CGI issue that they have to confront, right? So if they really are serious about trying to be a little bit better with the CGI crews, you can't work them as hard either. I don't know. It's all speculation. I need to look more into this. Uh, listeners, if you have more information that we're completely missing, go ahead. You can't say SP is wrong here because I'm literally saying I don't know. But if you have more information on this that we're missing, please get it to us. And we will be glad to discuss it in the future because I'm literally looking for, like Michelle, you said, we're talking about 2026. It's four years in the future. I think they have more plans beyond that. But 2026 is pretty cool to think about. All right, Lauren, what should we do right now? Um, I don't know. I think maybe bust through the fourth wall on our way out. I want to say thank you to everybody in the discord server. There's been a lot of talk in the last few days over this finale not necessarily in our channel, in the spoilers channel, which is where it should be. So I just want to thank everybody for giving their thoughts on it and being respectful of everybody else's thoughts on it as well. Really appreciate that in there. And I appreciate you listening to this show. And we will be talking about Werewolf by Night next time and looking forward to your thoughts on that as well. 
So I want to say thank you to the rest of my esteemed co-hosts and Anthony as well for coming on and lending us his expertise on both legal stuff and She-Hulk. Yeah, thank you all for for doing this, for just being the amazing people that you are and keeping the discussion going. I really do love hearing y'all's opinions on stuff. I want to make that clear. I seriously, y'all are just awesome. Yeah, I want to thank our listeners for, you know, sticking with us and you know, being with us and interacting with us. I do want to say that I understand Lauren's point of view. I understand why she enjoyed it and why others are enjoying it. I get that and I respect that. And I hope that others are respecting why certain buttons of mine were pushed. There were just certain things. There were just certain things that pushed my buttons and not in a good good way. Not the good buttons. Though I do understand the love and the criticism of She-Hulk as a whole. I, I, you know, I get that. I understand that and I respect that. So I just... I don't want to, I don't want people to be like, oh my gosh, she just crapped on Lauren the entire episode. I don't want, <laughs> I hope that, I hope Lauren doesn't feel that way. I, I didn't. I do not. Okay. That's good. Now, if you want to hear more from me, I'm at show underscore game. Yes. Every chance that we get to be allowed into your ear holes to worm our thoughts into your brains and make you think about all of this is. I mean, it's quite frankly, it's time that we know you could be spent listening to anything and you chose to listen to us. And we really, really appreciate that. And speaking of pressing buttons, both good and bad, if you want to hear more from me, you can check out Play Comics, where as we're recording this, the next episode, because of recent events, is going to be shoved up. We're going to be taking a look at Yu-Gi-Oh! Forbidden Memories and Dark Duel Stories, combining a couple games into one with Luke Hare, who you might remember from the Dragon Ball Z Ultimate Battle 22 episode. All right, looking forward to listening to that. And as a reminder, if you want to join our conversations on Discord, it's gonnageek.com slash Discord. We'll get you an invite in there, and we look to see you there. Well, until next time, where we talk spooky Halloween stuff, I'm Director SB. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Agent Chris. See everybody next time. Bye. Bye. Don't be scared. There might be costumes next time. Not promising. There might be. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2022.